When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, hosted by EJ Stewart. Let's get to it, New York. Knicks Fan TV's CP The Franchise joins me here on Orange and Blue Blood. So uh, the Knicks have a game later tonight. We're recording this on Tuesday, so Tuesday night game you may have already watched. Um, they did play over the weekend on Saturday. They dropped their second exhibition game of the preseason schedule against the T-Wolves, 121-112. We saw Nas Reed was really impressive in the minutes he played. It was only 19 minutes, but he had 22 points. He was raining threes at the Garden. I know something you talk about a bunch. Guys come to the Garden, all of a sudden, they, yeah. their jump shots are, are just wet. And that was the case <laughs> the for Nas Reed. Yeah, yeah. It happens every time. Uh, Anthony Edwards also uh, and Carl Anthony Towns, they had each had 17 points in the game. R.J. Barrett was the game-high leading scorer with 23 points. Jalen Brunson, they've been revving him up. Uh, he did played very little in the first game, played a little bit more in this game, scored nine points in 14 minutes. Julius Randle had seven points and eight rebounds. Deuce McBride actually ended up being the second leading scorer for the Knicks in that loss. Yeah. He had 16 points. He was four, four from three, which I think had to be a little yeah. encouraging considering that's been one of the missing pieces to his game. I want to start with R.J., though, mm-hmm. because in some ways – in some ways, he almost feels like the forgotten guy, which is kind of crazy because he's so polarizing. But because yeah. of what we've seen from Brunson, and there, I think there was a lot of hope prior to Brunson getting here that RJ would, would develop into that, you know, star or that at least cornerstone you can build around and add a superstar to. But then Jalen Brunson right. came here, and all of a sudden, he's that guy. Uh, how encouraging were was RJ's performance there on Saturday, and what are you expecting from him? Is, is there a situation where he could take a step up and maybe his stats don't necessarily show it. Like it just seems like for a team where Brunson's going to get his looks and Randall's going to get his looks, it's hard to see how a third guy really elevates his game. But I think the Knicks are going to get to their ceiling. RJ's going to have to take another step. Yeah, well, playing alongside those guys and playing off of those guys, the hope would be that RJ is able to knock down those open threes at yep. a forty percent clip. That's what that's what he did alongside Julius Randall when they made the playoffs in in the COVID shortened uh, fanless season. But for right now, what we saw last year is that the efficiency just wasn't there. And what I've been saying with RJ is that every player has weaknesses. But for certain players, you want to accentuate on his strengths. And for RJ, it's attacking the basket. And so there's things that he can do while he's attacking the basket to have him improve his game, like taking better quality looks at the basket. Don't just try to stuff it in with three guys guarding you. Because if that happens, there's someone open. And what I've seen from RJ Barrett, from like the second half of the FIBA tournament on down is that on his drives, he's being a lot more methodical. He's being a lot more deliberate in terms of finding the open man, trying to find guys out on the weak side to knock down the open threes. He might be running on second units with the Dante DiVincenzo or Emmanuel quickly. DiVincenzo, one of the top shooters in catch and shoot threes, especially from the corners last season. So you want to be able to tap into that. Uh, additionally from RJ, knock down your free throws. You know, those are things that as a 19 points per game scorer, if you get more efficient from the free throw line, that can get you to 22, maybe 23 a night. And then you're you're sitting pretty. So for me, I don't I can't rely on RJ to be an efficient three point shooter. Right. We're going to have to see how the season progresses in that regard. But 
if he just doubles down on his strengths, takes smarter attacks to the rim, which is what Tom Thibodeau has been echoing for a while now, and making his free throws, uh, I think he'll be fine for the Knicks this season. Yeah, it's funny. RJ, looking at his free throws, I mean, he he's never shot above 74% for his career. Yeah. Um, he, he got 74% in 2021, that COVID-shortened year that you mentioned. Then he dipped to 71%, where his free throws really were an issue. Yeah. He got a little better last year, but he still was at 74%. And one of the things I've seen in these games where he's kind of shot okay, like the efficiency in terms of field goal percentage hasn't necessarily been there. Three-point shot still hasn't been there. It's a little alarming considering how well he actually shot during the FIBA tournament in terms of the three-pointers. He essentially had one like nightmare game and he shot pretty much well the rest of the way. Yeah. Hope that maybe those threes will start to fall once you start playing, but uh, he's been living at the free throw line. And I think that's, that's something it. for me that it's been kind of missing in his game a little bit. I mean, he's so strong. He's so athletic and, and not, I mean, he's not necessarily a, a you know a high leaper, but he is somebody that, that can be nifty around the basket. And, and I, I wonder why he hasn't been able to been, be a guy who can live at the line. Has he been avoiding contact to kind of avoid getting to the free throw line during this preseason? I don't think he's missed a free throw. If he has, he maybe missed one. Yeah. He's been uh, money from the line. How how much is that, do you feel like, yeah. an, an important part of his game? Very important. And it's what Tom Thibodeau said, even from last year, when you saw R.J. Barrett play good games. Tom Thibodeau, when asked by the media, he would say, you know, as he wants R.J. to take better at angles at the rim and not fade yeah. away on his attacks. You know, going strong, draw the contact, and finish through contact is very important. So that's going to be a critical aspect of his game. And I think on top of that, his defense is going to be most important. Right? Like, yeah. offensively, we can, we can get by with some with some bad nights. But defensively, he's going to have to be on point. He's our tallest wing and almost the only true wing that we have, uh, that the Knicks have on this team. So yeah. it's going to be very critical. He's going to be tested. As I mentioned, some of the matchups that he's going to be facing in these first 10 games, whether it's Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Brandon Ingram, you might be put on Darius Garland in a, in a Cleveland matchup. The, he, he might be on Giannis yep. or Chris Middleton. He's in that first 10 games is going to be a gauntlet yep. for RJ Barrett as well. Yeah. And the Knicks, the way their lineup is set up is kind of tricky because Brunson has to be hit on somebody sometimes, depending on who the point guard is. Right. So Grimes can't take sometimes that top. Wing, right? If you're playing as a right. team that has a top notch point guard, Brunson's not right. guarding that guy, that goes to Grimes. So, you're right, then RJ, yeah, gets slid over to either, either a big time wing, or if there's a wing that Tibbs decides he wants Grimes on, that means guard yeah. sometimes that means RJ's guarding a point guard and Boy, his guard. defense. I, yeah, exactly. And I thought his uh defense last year was very up and down. I thought he started off terribly, honestly. Yeah, I thought I, the whole team's defense picked up. I think his defense picked up later on the season, but I agree that's definitely something he's gonna have to really hone in on yeah certainly later in the season picked up and in the playoffs as well we saw yeah. in the FIBA tournament where he was matched up on guards a, a lot of times it's because with team canada you would have shea gildas alexander dylan brooks out there so a lot of times he would have to guard a, a smaller guard in a in a cleveland example you may have a situation where you might have to put quentin grimes on donovan mitchell put jalen brunson on max Struess, and so rj barrett's gonna have to guard darius garland as he did in that first round matchup and then you have yeah. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard coming through. So it's it's going to be a tall order for him, for sure. I want to talk about Tibbs and Brunson here. Like, we, we've seen how Tibbs has handled the preseason minutes for Brunson, where, you know, it, essentially it's like the rest of the team has their time and, and the work they got to get in, and then Brunson kind of has his own time, which is very fascinating considering Julius Randle is the 
reigning All NBA player, two time All NBA player, and reigning All Star on this team, two time All Star. But you know, Brunson's on his own schedule, and then everybody else is doing their own thing. I guess maybe Hard also had a day off, so maybe include him in there. But uh, do you support how Tibbs has handled Brunson's hand- minutes so far in terms of kind of trying to ramp him up for the season? Yeah, absolutely. And he, and he knows Brunson well, right? Having with Jalen, having grown up with, with Tibbs and, and Rick being a part of Tibbs' coaching staff over the years. So he, he knows Brunson. He knows how Brunson wants to prepare. And you have to remember with Brunson and Hart, they already went through a training camp of sorts with Team USA back in August in Las Vegas. Then they went through the FIBA World Cup. And those are intense games, as Tom Thibodeau was was quoted in the media as as saying and me watching i mean this wasn't you know all-star game preseason games this was this was intense with a lot of guys playing for country pride and so even though brunson and hart only locked maybe like 20 or so minutes per game they're at game speed they're at game shape and so i agree with tibbs here you know just let them kind of coast through into the regular season and he also mentioned that the reason why rj barrett conversely has been kind of getting a regular doses of minutes he attributed it to age, saying yeah. RJ being 23, he pointed to Anthony Edwards getting a lengthy look in that preseason matchup and said it's more so an age thing uh, th- than anything else when, in, when he compared RJ to Brunson and Hart. So I, I find it very interesting where people criticize Tibbs for not digging into the numbers and running players into the ground. Mm-hmm, yeah. But here we are. He, he's listening to whatever he's vice he's getting in, ter- in terms of their workload, load management. And and uh, and he's he's adjusting. It's funny watching Brunson during that FIBA was a whole experience because it became a Brunson versus Halliburton. There was a lot going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. I know one thing that was I think evident for me was just holding my breath every time Brunson did anything, uh, because just knowing how much it really everything's on him. For yeah, the yeah. He's you no, know, he's the most important player. Uh, the Knicks have been talking about, and it's something I've seen a bunch of the Beaver writers say, and I don't know if anybody on record has said it, but they almost seem to speak about Brunson as if they think he's going to reach another level of stardom. It almost reminds me a little bit of the year Steph Curry had before he went to becoming the MVP. Like that year, the first year they made the playoffs with Golden State, and you know they bounced Denver, and he became a kind of an all-star caliber player there. And then two years later, He's an MVP. The way they talk about Brunson, that's almost a vibe I'm getting. I say that as someone who's, you know, Steph Curry's my all-time favorite player, you know, one of my all-time favorite players at least. So that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Do you think that there's another level that Brunson can get to where he goes from being just, a you know, all-star caliber guard to like a legit, like all-NBA first, all-NBA yeah. second team caliber player? The way the Knicks seem to suggest maybe there's a ceiling there for that? Well, I, I don't see why he couldn't. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't see why it couldn't. It really wouldn't surprise me if, if he hit that level. And that was one thing I heard from Fred Katz, who covers the Knicks for, for The Athletic. He said, yeah. you know, a lot of people who we spoke to internally uh, think that this this is not even it. And he feels like this is the guy who we saw tear teams up, especially in the second half of the season and into the playoffs. He said that is the guy that we should expect to see during the regular season as well. And I, I think that would be terrific for the Knicks. He certainly deserves an all-star nod. I, I do believe that the all-star team should be, they should be expanding the roster spots mm. and he, he should have made it last year. No question about it. And and the most interesting thing is that he went on a tear in the second half of that season with injuries. Yeah. He, he had a foot injury that the team, no one even knew what it was and he, and he battled through it. And then he had the, the thumb injury as well. 
And when he came back from that yep. foot injury, he dropped 40 plus points on, on Donovan Mitchell and the, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, it was just remarkable to see up until the game six elimination against Miami Heat. He scores 41 points. So um, wow. just the guy he, he just reminds you of a 90s Nick who, who plays through injuries. He's gutty. And this the Knicks are, are Knicks fans are, are happy to have him. No question. I talked about it with Jared Dubin of CBS and of last night in basketball uh, early, last week on the podcast. And I, I like as great as that game was, he had in game six that they lost to me. And maybe because I was in the building watching Jalen Brunson do what he did playing all 48 minutes in game five, mm. where he has Caleb Martin, who's six foot seven, super athletic. A lot of people don't realize yeah. how late yeah. that guy is pounding him 96 feet. No, 92 feet, how long NBA court is. And for him to have that performance, essentially a comeback win for the Knicks where they have to have, if they lose, I think the way you think about the entire season probably is adjusted. If you lose to five, in five games, a gentleman sweep to an eight seed, that would be really disappointing. Like that performance to me, like that sealed it to me, like this guy is something different. They yeah. averaged 31 points in that series, battling foot, ankle, thumb, all kinds right. of issues. Right. Brunson, right. Brunson showed he's special and, he, he kind of seems to me the kind of guy that, you know, we kind of see it in baseball where these players get to the postseason and they're able to just elevate their game to a different level. Yeah. Like Bryce yeah. Harper is already, a, you know, a star, superstar in, in, in MLB. Should have like, been a Yankee. But gosh, I yeah, I know. Perfect. I'm sure on the fan, you you would have said it, plenty of that uh, oh, last oh. weekend. But, yeah. like, you see a Bryce Harper, you see some of these guys that when the lights are the brightest, they just raise their game. and. This is beyond just what he did with the Knicks. We saw him do this with the Mavericks. And that's yeah, yeah. why I think if you're a, a Knicks fan or Knicks supporter or you're with that organization, I could see why you would say there's something here where this kid, uh, now he's a man, he's 27 years old. This guy can really uh, reach a, a certain level. And I can see yeah. why there's a lot of excitement there and why I have a lot of excitement for him. Uh, a little bit of a kind of a, a Knicks kind of a nerd thing to kind of look through, but you know, you're they got the Mr. Nick right now. Like mm -hmm. this last roster spot thing is something, you know. We saw Isaiah yeah. Roby playing, we've seen uh Dylan Windler getting time. How do you expect the Knicks to kind of handle that final roster spot? I think it, for some fans, it's actually been very difficult to follow because they yeah. sign, cut, and then bring guys back, right? Different right. kind of contracts, like exhibit deals that people don't know what that is. They got to go to the NBA glossary to figure out what's going on. How do you expect the Knicks to handle this final roster spot that they yeah. have available? Well, it's interesting, especially when you look at the weakness, at least on paper, that they have at the backup four spot. Right yeah. now, it seems like this is going to be Josh Hart's job. But on a secondary level, what we saw early in the preseason is Jericho Sims getting looks yes. there and a twin towers look. And I believe with Tom Thibodeau's penchant for, he wants rim protection. He wants rim protection at, at all costs. So if that means putting Mitch out there, you have Hartenstein and Sims, I think Sims and Hart seem to be put, are going to be put in at that four, in that four rotation, depending on the matchups and what's needed on a given night. And so for that final roster spot, I would have hoped or or thought that a guy like a Nathan Knight may have gotten it, right. you know, power forward who they got on the two-way contract from the Minnesota Timberwolves. But I'm almost thinking that it, it goes to Archie Diacono. And right. if they have to go, you know, get a guy off the free agent heap in the in the middle of the season, maybe he's the guy the first guy that gets cut. He's usually the guy that gets moved around when they have to make a roster move anyway. And so yeah. I, I think he'll he'll get that spot and that backup four rotation becomes Hart and, and probably Sims. I tell you what, I, I've been so 
maybe irrationally intrigued by Dylan Windler. Mm. And as, as a guy, you know, and maybe that's my NBA draft background kind of dipping in sure. there, having sure. followed him um, in college. And, and the, the whole thing in Cleveland, the guy just was always hurt. Now, maybe that's the reason why maybe Nick shouldn't give him the spot. But, like, he just, to me, he brings shooting. He's small-ish, but, like, I think in small ball matchups, you can get away with him playing at the four a couple of minutes. Like, I when I signed him, I was like, oh, this guy actually could maybe, like, be a – not a difference maker, but could he win a random game in, you know, December or March when they're just trying to get through the rest of the season? Like, I I could have seen that because of the way he could shoot the ball and how versatile he is offensively. But, yeah, what do you feel about that Sims back back up four thing? Because I I hate it. Like, it just seems to me like like they, they they play five on four offensively when they have that. I thought it was interesting checking out some of this T Wolves game. You know, Hardenside hit a three in the corner. And I almost think the only chance they have of that working is if Hardenstein really kind of becomes the stretch five in those lineups. They play yeah, yeah. five out essentially with Sims maybe being the only guy in, maybe four out with Sims as the role man. But they don't really do that. Like they yeah. like they kind of play kind of like an amoeba kind of game where anybody's out there. And there are times with Sims in the corner wide open, and he's getting the ball and he's dribbling to dribble handoffs because nobody's respecting him as a shooter. When is Sims going to give this up? Like this is this is not a good idea. It never worked last year. It's not working in preseason. It's never going to work, right? Man, this it, it's not a good idea, man. I do not <laughs> like the idea at all. But this is Tibbs. Like I said, he's going to want his rim protection out there. Yeah. When the Knicks go out there and play bigger teams, he's when they play the Milwaukee Bucks. You're going to see those guys out there, man. And I'm telling you, man, the guy that I've wanted on this Nick team for like three or four years now, and he's bounced around maybe like two or three teams since then, was was like a guy like a Kelly Olynyk. Yeah. Like the name doesn't really st- stand out, right? You know, Knicks fans hearing this, like, what are you talking about? But, like, you watch him in FIBA, that is the guy. I, I wanted them to get him before they got Hartenstein. Right. A guy oh, that really? can stretch the floor, right. a guy yeah. that can pass. You know what I mean? Like, defensively, he may not he, – he's he's gritty, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's not a rim protector in, no. in, in a Timbido sense. But a guy that can certainly stretch the floor, he's a smart player, high IQ player, has a relationship with RJ, and can shoot the three. That's a guy I would even look at it. I mean, he's he's making he's in the he's in the final year of his deal at twelve million dollars. So contractually, uh, with the Knicks, it may not work in terms of salary matching if they were to to call Utah and and engage in a trade. Yeah, but that's that's really the guy that uh, that I would love on the on this Knicks roster, man. It's, it's a Kelly Olynyk type because the Sims thing, while you hope he's going to get boards and certainly rim protection and get you some maybe some vertical spacing there. It's going to be clunky, anyway. Slicing. Yeah, and as as much as I love Sims, and I I mean Sims might be one of my favorite second round draft picks Knicks have ever made. Like because I, I not knowing the Knicks were ever going to draft this guy, doing prep for that draft, I absolutely love the kid. So I'm so happy he's a Nick. But the one thing I don't really think about with him is honestly rim protection. Like he's not really a shot blocker. Yeah. Right, like he's, he's short. He's um, he's about six ten, like barely. Um, yeah, he kind of has short arms. The guy can jump to the moon, right? But he's just not really a rim protector. So every time Tibbs says, "Well, I need rim protection," like I don't really get it. Like he's a yeah. bigger body and he's athletic. Yeah, so I think that's he's, more he's, so what he is and yeah. what he's looking for. He he wants size out there. Yeah, and like and like he can rebound, and and yeah. and yeah. I think that he's great on switches. Like you know, he guarded Jamal Murray, and they won a game with him. I sold on Jamal Murray. That's one of I mean, to me one of his best traits. His ability to switch off on guards a lot. They don't actually they still play a switching defense, so he actually doesn't get to flash that enough. But like 
playing him at the four and thinking you're going to get rim protection. I'm just like, I don't know what he's talking about. Like, yeah. this didn't work at Texas. Texas played Kai Jones and, and hopefully Kai Jones gets whatever help he gets. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Um, but he, they played Kai Jones and Sims together. And it didn't work then. Like, that team mm-hmm. uh, was talented and they got bounced. Like, I don't know why they think in the NBA, a game that is more spacious, where you need more shooting, that this is going to work here. I, I don't get it. And yeah. he seems hell-bent on trying to make it work. It, it's going to be rough, man. It, it's going to be rough. I, but it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see how they play it out. I just don't yeah. see any, any of those two-way guys uh, getting converted for that last spot. I think they go with a guy like Arch Diacono, a guy who you know they'll want to practice around, a leader. He's good with the locker room. He, he's, he's a Theo Pinson of this year, right? <laughs> and then yeah. the reality is in the 10-man rotation – the last guy is really not going to matter anyway. And maybe, right. hey, maybe in the in the G League, uh, a Dylan Windler and, and a Nathan Tucker, I mean, a Nathan Knight, you know, improve and knock on wood, you don't have injuries. But if that happens, hopefully they'll be ready. Yeah, I, it's funny. When I saw Arsene Yakko got the got a rest day for a preseason game, I was like, oh, it's going to him. I've never seen that before, man. A guy who's right. uh, trying to make the team, right. allegedly, right. is getting a rest day. Yeah, I would have thought that this would be a time where he actually gets work in a preseason yeah. game. So I was like, "That's not good." If I was that might be a clue. You know, that might guys, be a I clue. Been, man. Yeah, I would have been livid. I'm like, "What yeah. do you mean a rest day?" Like, I, I don't know. So yeah, I agree. I think Arch is going to be the the guy. Most likely, they were really excited to bring him back, reportedly. So, so we'll definitely see. I'm I'm probably more fascinated than I should be about the final roster. <laughs> how the Knicks maneuver it. They, yeah, they, yeah. They, they know every little nook and cranny with the salary cap and how you can maneuver things. So they yeah. cut guys, bring guys back. So I think that, well, I will say, I think that roster will be very fluid. Uh, yeah. Arch will well, have the start season, but he end up, it may end up being a lot of different guys. I think I'm like you, man. Like every year you, you want to see like, is there a hidden gem in the back half oh, of the yeah. rotation, right? Like McBride yeah. has been kind of trying to get that role, but we know this series, it's going to be a lot of DMPs for him. But every year, whether it's, you know, when we when we were in that point guard drought, I oh, I know that was me. It was like every young guard that we try to bring in, like a Torrey Murray, you're like, oh, man. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> oh, it's, man. It's the guy that's going to really yeah. like, you know? So it, it, it happens, man. It's part of It's part of having that orange and blue blood. Exactly. Hey, yeah, I gotta make that a drop. <laughs>